This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And therefore, they're in a situation where the sort of long-serving core of players are a little bit drained by, you know, the struggles they've had over the last few years, but they're not able to kind of rejuvenate that group in the same way they did a few years ago. And I think that's a really difficult situation for David Wagner to uh, to manage. And while the likes of Ashley Barnes and Shane Duffy and Jack Stacey are decent additions, as good as you'll get in the free market, I'm not sure they're necessarily the types of signings you'll make to serve the purpose that I've spoken about. So I'm worried about Norwich. They, uh, I'm not, I don't expect you two to be. Um... <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast discussing Ipswich Town up or down since 2015. I'm Rich Woodard and this is the flagship show available every week during the season on YouTube and podcast audio. Joining me this evening to catch up on all the latest Ipswich Town news, good friend Seb Brown and joining us later on to do our now annual 1-24 predictions, friend of the pod, Gab Sutton. Seb, how are you? Are you excited by 1-24 or are you, I'm trying to remember last year, we were pretty, it was all right, wasn't it last year? Some of us were better than others, I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say. I, I, I'm i a lot better at 1-24 than then. I am at Lagging weekly predictions. Yeah, Gab made the, uh, we must remind okay. him of the Milton Keynes to win the, win the league kind of thing that he came up with. So we'll see what he's got to say later on. No, I'm good, thank you. Good to be back. Football is ramping up nicely. It's a bit like the first day back at school, isn't it? You know, where you kind of see mates you've not seen for a while and you, you chat about what you've done over the summer, but then sooner or later you get back down to the, the nitty-gritty of it all. So <laughs> yeah, r- roll on the new season yeah and some of us obviously deciding that this is the perfect time of the year to go on holiday so not my fault uh yeah I, i'm i'm bound by by school holidays so i can't go away until the school holidays uh finish my that sounds weird my partner worked in a school to clarify <laughs> just to, to, to clear anything up so i can't go away she finished on friday so i can't go away until this time of year so yes i'm jetting off to florida tomorrow morning for a couple of weeks so i will miss sunderland i'm afraid i'm sure i'll find somewhere to watch it but you'll have to fly the flag solo on the first pre-match show of the season but i'll be back for stoke the following week sack seb for being <laughs> disloyal let's um let's do a news catch up we we threatened it let's let's talk about it you were you were in preston as as you you know you talk about florida the, you know the the lancashire riviera that is preston 
on Wednesday night. Talk to us about a friendly win at Preston. Yeah, it feels like a, a, a little while ago now. It was a most pleasant evening. You know, it was lovely weather. It was acceptable company because Mullet unfortunately joined me. But but yeah, no, it was a, it was a, a, a very impressive first half kind of run out. You know, we we saw what we've seen from these friendlies. McKenna uses them as an opportunity to get minutes into the whole squad. So there was a, a raft of changes. I think seven changes at half time, which kind of affected the, the natural flow and quality of the game. But the, the first half was incredibly impressive, to be honest. You know, we were we were carving Preston apart. At will, sometimes the the patterns of play, the moves we've all come to see now for you know for eighteen months of seeing Kieran McKenna kind of do coaching and stuff. You know, we know exactly what we're going to do as soon as Walton's got the ball in his hands. He's going to roll it out to the centre backs, and then we're going to look to ping it wide to the full backs. And that's how the the first goal came. It was a lovely cross field ball from Luongo. Yeah, lovely goal, wasn't it? Jackson did really well. Jackson played well in that kind of you know the Wes Burns understudy role. I guess he's, he's got that pace that you can't you can't coach, doesn't he? And the the, the layoff from Broadhead is just next level. I didn't appreciate it, to be fair, on the night. I know someone obviously laid it back for Chaplin to to smash it home, but I didn't really get the, the full kind of, you know, the, the quality of it until I saw it again on the replays. And yeah, they just played really, really well. Second half, like I say, ducked down a little bit because, you know, naturally with with seven subs and, you know, fitness not being what it is for a league campaign, then naturally the quality is going to tell a little bit. Hurst scored a lovely goal. Note for Marcus. Yeah, Marcus Harness as well, continuing his impressive pre-season, you know, a lovely little kind of through ball. Hurst is onto it. And I don't think Hurst played any minutes for, for Leicester, did he, in pre-season? So I think that was his first kind of pre-season minutes of, of his campaign. It was a lovely finish kind of, you know, lofting the ball over Di Cornell. Remember him? Di yes. Cornell? I didn't even know he was there until he until he until he came on. So yeah, lovely, lovely finish over the top of the keeper. And then, you know, we make a few more changes. Cameron Humphreys gets a concussion and a few kids come on. And we do have to hang on a little bit. Preston pull one back and we are kind of indebted to Thlagkey towards the end for a couple of really, really good saves. But but that first half was incredibly you know, impressive and we all walked away kind of saying, well, if that's what we can do to Preston, then I'll go home and revise my one to 24s and put us down as league champions. <laughs> yeah, I I, yeah, I agree. First half was great. Lots of excellent possession as well. The press, I was watching your Preston's I follow and the, their commentary team seemed surprised how much of the ball that we were seeing. So, you know, get used to that guys. Um, and definitely made the point that if we were playing them, slightly nearer the start of the season maybe that friendly wouldn't have happened yeah. but yeah lots to be impressed about and great news i get you know chaplin talked about this on life's a pitch which we can recommend go and watch life's a pitch our friend phil ham and mark murphy and all those lot um you know, as a forward as an attacker you want to get your goals early in pre-season you don't want it hanging over your shoulders chaplin's off the mark hurst is off the mark and he'll score again. We'll talk about the, the Saturday friendlies briefly in a second as well. So that's that, that's kind of a positive as well as the patterns, Seb. It's our forward players getting up to speed on goal scoring too. Absolutely. And and players like Marcus Harness, who, you know, there was discussion come the end of the season. Is he going to be one that moves on and they try and recoup some money for? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the front three in theory is probably going to be Burns, Chaplin and Broadhead. I guess the question marks may be over, over Burns. And with our squad being at the absolute max, Harness was one that was discussed as potentially one you look to recoup what you paid for when he goes back to the back to League One. But he's been excellent in his preseason. And he was probably the, the bright spark. Him and Hurst were the bright sparks of the second half. Because as I say, it, it did naturally drop off but credit to him he's, he's come back with a bit between his teeth a bit like Ladapo, and looks like he's got a point to prove yeah um he's got competition though seb uh, thursday night 
of town finally announced, or or should we say Fabrizio Romano announced. <laughs> we are massive. Uh, the season-long loan signing of Amari Hutchinson, 19-year-old from Chelsea, former Arsenal youth player. Chelsea, I think, before and after Arsenal. Yeah, and just spelled Chelsea, Charlton as well, wasn't it? Yeah, senior debut in a, a 1-0 defeat to Man City in January. few appearances in the Pizza Cup. Um, yeah, give us your thoughts. What I think can play anywhere in the kind of attacking three positions left center and right maybe you're saying wing back as well possibly he can do a job yeah that's simply based on the fact i signed him on football manager a couple of years ago so as soon as the name came out i saw him so he might have moved on since then to be fair but yeah it ticks the boxes for versatility you know we we know mckenna likes that we've seen don ball refer to quite a bit throughout preseason as you know utility player who can cover a multitude of positions i know we're allowed nine subs on the bench but it's still going to be useful to have those players there that can you know change the course of games in a variety of different positions he's you know he's he's what he's a premier league loanee so you think he comes with with quality the caveat being this is his first kind of you know senior men's football exposure like you say he made his debut against man city for chelsea in the uh, in the premier league chelsea were an absolute basket case last <laughs> season they weren't they so we have to be a little bit careful with him I, I assume he will start on the bench and he'll kind of get drip fed in for for cup games early on but he you know he looks very skillful he's done this stuff with the i don't know what the kids call it these days he used to be called techers didn't it you know the the guys freestylers that's it yeah the guys that can kick a football up in the air and do a multitude of <laughs> tricks in a, a certain time period so he's certainly got the the full repartee of of tricks and flicks and he's the kind of player that will get you excited but you know he comes with the caveat like i've said it's his first loan so we'll see what he can do but it's another another one ticked off that's four that are in so far and probably another two or three to go maybe yeah we'll talk about i think we'll we're trying to figure out pod schedule for the next couple of weeks i think we'll we'll maybe come back and look at the state of transfers next weekend so keep a lookout for that i will ask you though whether you think the arrival of hutchinson increases the likelihood of anyone going out you mentioned harness i think he's had a great preseason. like you i'd be sad to see him go we've seen seen kamara leave and i think those two maybe were vying for a position perhaps so yeah your thoughts on that? I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I guess the the, the natural at risk ones are probably going to be the likes of Jackson and and Kyle yeah. Edwards, the ones who you probably you know question can they do it at Championship level? Wes Burns is pretty inexperienced at Championship level as well. Um, I, we've got some manoeuvrability now in the squad, haven't we? With the the mutual consent of, of, of Joe Piggott and Kamara's gone out on loan and Idris has gone back to Leighton Orient, so we have a bit more flexibility. So I I, I don't I wouldn't envisage unless another. Tyrese John Jewell style player comes in that can cover, you know, two out of the three front three kind of positions. I don't envisage anybody going out on loan just yet, but I guess it would be Jackson and, and Carl Edwards who are the most at risk. But McKenna does like both those players. You know, we, we saw Edwards was was always on the bench, as was as was Jackson. He would he was kind of heavily load the, the front options on the bench to make sure he had game changes in their positions. And with with nine subs now, you know, on his day, Carl Edwards is a potential game changer. If he can add that end product to his game, I really like him and hopefully this is the season it starts to tick for him and, and Jackson's got that pace that probably no one else in the squad probably Burns is probably the closest has you know so they are both useful weapons to keep around so I'd be I'd be happy if we went into the you know the opening day at Sunderland with with these kind of the squad maxed out at the maximum 25 level um, but we need additions at the back I'd say and we've been linked with Rak Saki through the whole 
summer. Do you think this puts an end to those rumours now? I think the problem is we know we like to do our business early, don't we? And it looks like Raheem and Raksaki has obviously gone on for ages because the first reports came out within 10 days or so of the season finishing. And Zaha tonight apparently is going to Galatasaray, I think. So I'd imagine Palace have been keeping hold of him in pre-season in case he moves on. If he does move on, is it at least he's got an injury as well at Palace? So potentially Raksaki suddenly might have to become involved in their opening games and therefore might not be available to the end of the window and a bit of a jump it is but you need squad players don't you you know I'm I'm not saying he's going to come in and start but they'll need options on the bench and you'd rather have somebody who's played 40 games at at League 1 level last season than a complete kid from the academy so so yeah it might rumble on would we still take him of course he's a he's a quality player you know he offers something slightly different to to Hutchison and the rest of them he's probably Burns' most you know relevant kind of competition would we take him yes but I I think that the centre-half position is the is the, the critical one at the moment fair enough Hutchinson is involved straight away on Saturday. This doubleheader of preseason games. We're not going to, neither of us were there. We're not going to drill into these too much. Two defeats to League One opposition. So two one defeats as well. Um, and was it three deflected goals? Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, how much? I know the answer to this one. How much do you read into these? Uh, just like you can't get too excited by how we tore Preston apart at Will in the first half, you can't get too down at these ones. I mean, one was at Cambridge, for God's sake. We'd never, ever win at Cambridge. So that's just par for the course, given our recent history against them. No, I mean, you know, we're so fastidious and we're so... The, the, the planning that goes into our games must be, you know, to a, a minute level. And there's no way you can do that to the same level if you've got to suddenly have half the coaching staff jump in a car and drive an hour between venues. So I don't really read too much into it, to be honest. We have players out of position. You know, Broadhead's gone through the middle because Hurst wasn't fit to start. You've got players kind of coming back from injury and, and, you know, working on their full fitness. So I just see it, as McKenna said, it's an exercise to get minutes into the legs. I'd imagine we will now start to see... The, the 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 team that's likely to start against Sunderland will probably face Luton in midweek and then the same with the, the German Cup and we'll see it step up another level. So yeah, as as Mick used to say, don't get too highs with the highs and don't get too lows with the lows. No, exactly right. I I, I just kinda of think the double header was unnecessary. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, why why do it? Why not just play one game and if you want to make a load of substitutions, then do it or, or, or arrange one of those ITFC eleven games against somebody local and if you want to play some of the you know the Elkin Baggett and the, the Alan Carr. Uh, no, not Alan Carr. Brooks. Ryan Alan Carr. Carr. Sean, yeah, who's the right back? Sean Carr. Ryan Carr. Ryan Carr. That's the one. <laughs> uh, if you want to play him at uh, right back, then yeah, you do an ITFC 11 against somebody, somebody local. Yeah, indeed. Um, but yeah, it was, it was strange, wasn't it? And you know, you've only got an hour and a half to get between between venues and yeah, a weird one, but more minutes in the tank. Yep. We won't read too much into it, is the conclusion. Um, let's talk championship 124, shall we? Welcome back to the pod, friend of the pod, um, Gab Sutton. It's the it's well, it's Christmas morning for you. We, we're going to use using the back to school analogy. Uh, when this podcast goes out, literally, your one's twenty four picks for the championship will have gone out. Are you excited or are you worried that someone's brought you a really crap present, Gab? What's the what's the feeling for you? A bit of apprehension. I, I'm really excited for it. It's, it's such so difficult to call though, Rich, because you've um, there's so many uh, different um, possibilities that you've kind of got to juggle in your head, and and coming up with a with a one to twenty four is always tricky. But I, I I do love that challenge all the same, uh, and hopefully I can. Uh, I obviously got had my terrible MK Dons prediction last year. Hopefully I can. No get one's it. mentioned it here, Gab. I, no I, had, I had to get it in, Gab. You'll have to forgive me. I had to get it in. 
<laughs> when we hang out together in like 30 years time you're still going to be mentioning that i reckon um no i, I hopefully i can get a few that are half decent uh, decent this time so yeah looking forward to it yeah well we're gonna have a go at it here i mean this is the first start of team blue monday getting back into the groove of the championship you know we we've been mm. out of it for four years we've got ben obviously who who's an expert he, he'll be doing his own 124 on his channel but Seb and I are just trying to recalibrate at the level above. You're an expert EFL through, so we've got to, we've got to get you involved, Gab. So what I might do is let me let's re go through every team alphabetically, and then we'll see where we've got them. I think we'll try and keep it brief because we can't go through every team in forensic detail. But let's get our. Hopefully, you guys have got your notes in front of you. Let's start, shall we, with um, Gab's favourites? Well, your personal favourites through loyalty blues birmingham city um takeover gab is probably the, the headline for birmingham mm. isn't it absolutely bursting with that rich um mm. i think it i'm sure you've been you know, as ipswich fans in a similar situation where you know me and um, other blues fans we've been kind of having conversations about the club over the last few years but they've all come back to the same thing which is no real plan no real playing identity no communication and really poor leadership from the top and it's kind of filtered down and so to have someone that's communicated the plan that seems like he comes across incredibly well uh, in uh, in his first interview someone who respects the fans someone that's going to bring that transparency and a vision for the club going forward that's incredibly exciting i'm not expecting fireworks from Blues, there might be a world in which we, because of the vibes and the momentum and the excitement over this, we you know go massively ahead of schedule and miraculously break into the playoffs. But truth be told, I'm not expecting that. If we could progress a few places from last season and maybe put, get into the top half, I'd be absolutely delighted. Yeah, it's, it's about progression, Seb, surely, isn't it? We know for a fact that takeovers, so you can't snap your fingers and suddenly you're top of the league, can you? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly how you guys have called it. It's exactly correct. You know, they've had a few seasons of, no offence, Gab, but kind of circling the drain a little bit. You know, Not we did it and then, and then, and then finally, you know, you, you've managed to, to get away from it. I like John Eustace. I think he's a, you know, a very mm. good manager. And I think some of the, the signings are smart as well. I know you've got a bit of money because Chong went off to Luton, obviously, but, you know, Tyler Roberts, Dembele, you know, I know you've lost Bellingham's brother who might turn out to be as good as Jude Bellingham was but I, I just think like you say you'll be grateful with a, a season of you know kind of stability not being in and around the dogfight as much as, as as the past few seasons and a season for the ownership group to really kind of you know set out what they're going to do and come up with a, a proper strategy and a proper plan. Next up Blackburn I, I will we'll obviously go through our 1-24 to at the end of just having analysed every team really difficult with them maybe the, a little bit of the opposite gab with Birmingham off the field Seems to be a bit bit chaotic. Uh, uh, maybe a surprise package last season under Yondar Thomason. A little bit of disruption off the field. Is it the case this summer? Um, actually, I think that Blackburn are probably in a more stable position than they've been in in previous years. Um, I think that some of the noises around Blackburn have kind of that have come through the mainstream media, like the, the Mirror did a piece that they've had to cut money due to advice on the Indian government. But I spoke to Dan Ainsworth, who I'm sure you know from Rovers chat, and basically the indication is that's a regurgitated story from 12 months ago, rather than right. too much to worry about. Um, they've got some good people. Greg Brutton, the sporting director, has done a good job in his first 12 months likewise Yondal Thomason they've got a strong pressing identity so uh, I think they're going to be expecting to be in that playoff mix again if Adam Wharton has a great season by the way because he's one to watch yeah well and, and the big headline Seb is probably a departure isn't it Ben Britton Diaz yeah. finally moving on 
Yeah, they'll need Neil Ennis to step up, won't they, and kind of score the goals as his replacement. Also lost Bradley Dack as well, so a bit of experience for the last few years has dropped out of that of that side. I don't think they'll do as well as they did last year, to be honest. I, th- I think they'll drop down the table a little bit. But I like John Dahl-Thomas, and I like what they're kind of looking to do. So, yeah, I, ju- I just think that Brent Briet and Diaz is a, is a huge miss for anybody. And not to get the money for him. You know, if you get 10 million, 12 million from a Premier League side, you can go out and reinvest it to, to get nothing because he walked away because his, his contract expires. Well, will hurt them, I think. Yeah, well, more more about that situation in a in a couple of teams' time. Bristol City, Gab. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm struggling to get excited about Bristol City. I'm not. I don't think they're going to be in any trouble. But similarly, not particularly exciting. Um, thoughts. Yeah, I expect them to lose Alex Scott for 25 yep. million. So I think the question is, how well do they reinvest some of that money? Obviously, I'd imagine a, a significant part of it's going to go into the club as a as a structure, if you like. Um, I think a slight concern for me would be that they've got a core of um, sort of four or five players who are kind of in the 30s, who um, they relied on, excuse me, to start quite often last season. So if the, there's a drop-off from those players, is that going to affect things? Similarly, they're hoping uh, Tommy Conway, though, after a good breakthrough season last year, could really go up another year level um, as the centre-forward and maybe have a similar season to the one Scott did last year. So that's the big hope for Bristol City, but I kind of share your feelings towards them. So Naki Wells, Seb, a lot of pressure on him, only what, 11 goals. Last yeah, he's season. moving towards the, the twilight of his career, isn't he? I think Jason Knight's a very good signing. I think that's a decent <laughs> bit of business. You know, they've gone out and got him before the Scott money's come in. So I think that's smart. But yeah, I just, you know, Nigel Pearson is a safe pair of hands, isn't he? But I can't see them pulling up any trees. I've got them kind of lower-ish to lower third kind of part of the table. And I, I think that's where they'll where they'll be. We'll see what kind of reception Mr. Ashton gets when he goes, uh, <laughs> goes back there on a Tuesday night. <laughs> Next up, Cardiff. Uh, last season, 21st, Gab, not a happy home life at Cardiff. Um, any, no, any, do you know anything about Errol Bulio, the new manager? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he had a mixed spell in Turkey. Um, I think his methods are quite uh, practical. Pra- pragmatic I guess um, so I'm not expecting Cardiff to pull up any trees in terms of the football but I suppose that the big news for them is that Aaron Ramsey's uh, come back yeah. um, this is one of the best players in the world in 2013 by the way so he's not going to have that same box-to-box energy but he might have remnants of quality which could play a part in keeping Cardiff up um, I like the signing of Dimitrios Gutas as well uh, some good reviews on him from Greece so there's some positives um, and I think they've got a decent core of players but the big question for me is up top and whether they've got enough goals in that team yes similar story to to Bristol City well quite a lot of maybe less so Bristol City but a lot of teams at this level Seb I'm just wondering where their goals are going to come from and you look last season yeah isn't it They've brought in Carlin Grant, haven't they? He's come on loan from uh, West Brom. So I guess they'll be looking to him to kind of, you know, lead the line. And he didn't have a a great season last season. So, you know, they're just an unknown, aren't they? Because of the manager, it's very hard to predict. You know, some some might hit the ground running and some might be an absolute disaster and be fired by the November November international window. So it's very hard to tell. I've tipped them to go down, spoiler alert, because, you know, they were down there last year. They've clearly got issues off the pitch. And appointing an unknown manager, to me, never seems wise. In that kind of position, you'd you'd want to, like, we'll come to Huddersfield yeah you'd you'd want somebody who has experience of the league who okay it might not be pretty it might not be amazing but you know that you're probably going to get to about 50 points and therefore stay up and I think it's a big risk appointing an unknown 
similar themes to what we've been talking about with Coventry. Yeah, we've got the the kind of opposite of the Britain Diaz story with Yukarez going for to Sporting. Was it for twenty five million euros or whatever, whatever it was? Ellis Sims come in, but Mark Robbins has just been there seemingly forever now, and that consistency is driving them slowly up the Championship table as it's taken them through the pyramid. Obviously, lost in the playoff final. But sure. what's your feeling about Coventry? Is it is it about is it all about Sims? Yeah, I think whether Sims can replace Jokerez, I think that's going to have a massive bearing on what Coventry are able to do. I'm a little bit concerned that Coventry have just kept out doing themselves over the last six years. And I, there's part of me that wonders, are they going to keep be a, being able to, to do that? Okay. Because I feel like there's a core of players there in the sort of um, late 20s, early 30s that have probably had histories away from Coventry and Robins that hadn't necessarily been particularly glamorous. And I'm just wondering if some of them are going to be able to repeat what they did last year, especially without uh, without Jokerez and, and possibly Hamer. We don't know if he's going to say or not. Um, so, yeah, a, f- a few concerns about Coventry. My gut feeling is they might have a little bit of a drop-off. Seb? I think Hamer's crucial. I think if he were to go, then yeah, like Gab said, I would I would readjust my my forecast for them and see them maybe drop sort of, you know, to about 10th or 11th or so. That Jokeres is, is such a huge miss. Ellis Sims is a relatively unknown. Okay, he did okay at Sunderland, um, but, you know, it's, it's different systems and there's a lot to be said for, for continuity. You know, I really like Mark Robbins and what he's been able to do, but sometimes the natural order does kind of take over a little bit and maybe the cycle was the peak when losing in the playoff final and they might have to readjust a little bit. But yeah, the, the, the Jokerez loss is a, is a big one. Money to spend though. And Robbins yeah. has talked about bringing in more players. So wait and see there. Someone who's not been able to bring in players, Gab, who did pretty much of a miracle last season for me was Neil Warnock. That mm. has filled. Yeah. It's not looking good for them, though, is it? I have um, a big part of the reason why I've got Huddersfield going down is because I'm not going th- to... I think for a 74-year-old manager, it's one thing coming in for 15 games, um, lifting the team, using your your, ma- your motivational qualities to get the results you need to stay up. I think it's a whole nother ball game to do the kind of 24-7 job to oversee uh, the complete rebuild that the club requires over the course of the next 12 months. I think that's a very different proposition. Um, I don't particularly re- rate this Huddersfield squad that highly. I think, you know, three quarters of it, are, you, you've got question marks over in terms of too soon, possibly over the hill. Some of them just aren't quite up to the level. So they're going to be re- relying on that core of six or seven players to to stay fit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sceptical of Huddersfield. I think it's going to be another struggle for them. Yeah, so no surprises there, really. And, and and goals, again, the issue at the moment, it looks like Sorba Thomas, who went on loan to Blackburn and was the yeah. chief assist maker for both Huddersfield and Blackburn. That, majority of conclusions from that um, is pretty critical, but he still might leave. But it, I, I think Gab's right, isn't it? As much as we love the Neil Warnock story, it does kind of feel like, you know, you've got a lot of young up-and-coming coaches in this league that, dare I say it, might out-tactic him now. Potentially, yeah. He's kind of one of the the older generation, like with with Mick. We saw Mick going into Blackpool and couldn't do anything last season. And as Gab said, it's very different to ride in on a white night with no pressure and kind of you know get the club over the line and and the, the fans will accept the style of football and stuff. It, it's very different doing it from from day one, isn't it? I think they will stay up by the the skin of their teeth. Um, but yeah, the club needs a complete rebuild everywhere. Dwayne Holmes has gone off to Preston, so they're they're selling players as well. And when I was doing my notes, they were the one side that I couldn't see had bought in any kind of transfer. Chris Maxwell, keeper. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. And um, Lee Nichols is going to be their number one, so they essentially signed a backup goalkeeper. So. Yeah. So it's 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 a big ask. Um, I think they'll be okay, but only because of Warnock. If Warnock were to to leave or something, then I'd make them probably my heavy favourites to go there. Hull, difficult one, Gab. Um, kind of we talked about managers at the wrong end of maybe their careers. Liam Rossini having a really good spell at Hull, very highly thought of. What's your What's your take on these? Because I've seen your predictions and th- this might surprise a few people. I think Hull are going to do really well this season and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, Rich. Um, I think they've got some really solid foundations from the second half of last season. Since Liam Rosinia took charge, they only lost six in 28 league games and that was without often having um, a centre-forward on the pitch because um, Ostepin- Oscar o- Estepinion um, got uh, <laughs> got injured um, and the- so they had to play, I think, Ozan fan as a false sign type thing. So um, I think you've and they, they drew a lot of games in that. And I think that if they add the right quality up top, I think that they could turn a lot of those draws into wins, uh, as, the, as the cliche goes. So some really solid foundations at Hull. I uh, really like Rosinia. So I think they're going to be the dark horses. Oh, there we go. There's Clip a... it. Clip it Clip now. It. Um, <laughs> Seb, do you feel so positive about Hull? I don't. No, not, I don't. I mean, I've been, not the place. We've, we've I was going to say, I've been to Hull. hard away. to be positive. Yeah, no, I, I like Liam Rossini. I really like him. I thought he was harshly dealt with by by Derby last year when they kind of made him the interim manager. And, you know, according to all the sources in the game, he's a very well thought of kind of young coach. Liam Delap's coming on loan from mm. City, hasn't he? So provides a bit of a goal threat. I don't know how he got on. He went to Stoke last year, didn't he? He was the next big yeah. thing, wasn't he, coming through when he went to Stoke? I've got no idea how he got on, but he'll add some some firepower at least. And yeah, whilst I wouldn't tip them as, as my dark horses, I, I think they'll be absolutely fine and another season of kind of progression and then maybe Rossini might have you know eyes from elsewhere because he's clearly a very kind of you know ambitious and, and well thought of coach is he maybe potentially at the wrong the wrong club given the ownership structure there Oh no, the owners are great at Hull. Like Aja um Ilikali has um, the last couple of years made a huge difference on, uh, on the club I think from an ownership perspective they're in a lot stronger position I think maybe they were before, yeah, before fair enough that. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's skip us. We'll finish with us. We'll get your views specifically on on Ipswich Gab. Let's talk about Leeds. Finally got a, a manager. You said that in a very strange. It's Alan Partridge. It's Alan Partridge. It's a Partridge <laughs> quote. Yeah. Okay. If I'm not quite Partridge, it's the office Gab. Farker goes in at Leeds. We know all about Daniel Farker. Um, quite a lot of players exiting on loan. A lot of kind of this trading with loans and short term deals, which mm. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Ethan Ampadu's come in it might be the start of many big money signings for Leeds have they left it a little bit late though Gab to be a, a early pace setter maybe a slow burn for Leeds this season I, I completely agree with you I think uh, I, I think they are going to have individual quality uh, lots of rave reviews of Lewis Sinisera who's one of their wingers um, that I think could be one of the best players in this league so he's definitely one to watch um, but I'm um, I'm concerned that they don't have a squad that's built for Daniel Farker. They kind of recruit a lot of high-energy pressers for um, Jesse March, and then they've kind of gone to Daniel Farker, who, who likes his technicians. So I'm not sure that they're necessarily going to be um, built for his style of football, and I think it's a slightly imbalanced squad. They've got lots of depth and options out wide, but I think there's probably question marks in a lot of other areas. Having said that, I still think they'll make the playoffs because of um Sinisera and how big a season I think he'll have but I don't think they'll make the automatics yeah still got a really 
quality squad when you look at his you know jack jack harrison still there seb um your thoughts on Leeds? yeah yeah i just i'm, I'm struggling to see who's going to score the goals if bamford's injured you know bamford's last last couple of years haven't been amazing fitness wise we know he can do it at this level he had that incredible season at, at borough was it 10 years ago now nine years ago when murphy had the 27 goal season and um if he's fit then they haven't got an issue but if he you know has the same injury issues who, who's going to score the goals you know they've left it later pointing farker not ideal to do it that you know, a week or so before pre-season training kind of starts the takeover is now gone through so they've got got some stability there like gab says they, they should have enough about them to be in and around the playoffs but exactly like you guys just said i, I think the the delay in the manager coming in is probably costing the automatics i'm gonna regret my leads pick i've just taught myself out of it um more on that shortly another team with high expectations relegated from the premier league and whose name begins with l is enzo Moresca's leicester um gab um everyone's favorites for obvious reasons yeah, I think they've got a really strong squad. I think they're going to get a lot of money for uh, the players that they've sold uh, this summer. Obviously, they've just signed, uh, sold Barnes to um, to Newcastle United, and I think uh, I think one or two others. Uh, I really like the look of Maresca and some of his ideas. Very highly rated coach coming in from Man City, uh, and I really like the the additions of Connor Cody. People have sort of said, you know, should you be signing a thirty year old thirty year old centre back for seven point five million? And I kind of understand that it is a risk but at the same time I think sometimes you've got to balance out the um, uh, the sort of high potential sort of uh, assets if you like and sometimes just if a team needs a cool experienced head just bring one in and and Cody's won uh, got lots of Premier League experience he's won title at this level with Wolves so I think he's going to slot in I think Harry Winks is going to slot in and I think Leicester could um, could win the league quite comfortably in the end. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that Connor Cody point. Johnny Evans could have been that leader, mm. experienced Bruce player, but he's left to go back to United on a free presumably to be a development player mm. in there on the 21s, you know, development kind of reference point. Seb, it's difficult to look past Leicester, isn't it? I can't, yeah, simply because, you know, I know they've lost the likes of Tillemans and Sion Chua and all those kind of guys. Madison obviously has moved on Barnes today. But you still look at the squad and it's still riddled with quality. You know, Callum Doyle's come in from Man City. And if you look at the the, the, the strikers as of tonight, which is the 23rd of July, they've still got Vardy, Iniacho and Pats and Dakar. And, you know, you look at those kind of names, Vardy will still be good for 10 goals a season. Iniacho a couple of years ago became incredible for, you know, three months of the season so they've got the the talent and the ability there i guess the one question mark maybe the manager's new but he's come from pep guardiola's man city assistant manager so i i really can barely see any weaknesses at all last season the keeper was an issue with casper Schmeichel departing they had danny ward and they signed a guy didn't they someone else in the in the window they didn't really do well but they've gone and spent five million quid on a keeper in the last couple of days so yeah i i cannot see beyond them for the title and, and like gab said comfortably gab another um high potential team for success is Middlesbrough. Um, are they going to reap the benefits of Michael Carrick having had the whole of preseason and the experience of maybe missing out on the playoffs, obviously, as well? It, it feels like a lot of attention being given to Michael Carrick's borough. I, th I think Middlesbrough are the most exciting team in the championship this season because I look through their squad and I just see such a long list of players that just could be amazing this season. It's almost like that SpongeBob Square, square Pants meme where he has that, uh, that list that, that sort of goes out over the back of his head and, and through everything. Um, I, really exciting from that point of view. Um, I, I do, uh, obviously, Tuber Akpom scored 28 goals last season. Uh, can he do that again? Uh, I would suspect there might be a bit of a drop-off from Akpom, in which case I feel like they're going to need a bit more firepower up top than they've got at the moment. 
And I've also got one or two question marks about them uh, in terms of the goalkeepers they've signed. But I think I'm also really excited. Um, Ryan Giles is linked with returning. I think they've got lots of really talented players that could could really catch fire. So Borough are going to be a super exciting team to watch. Uh, could be box office. But I'm not sure they're quite going to get the consistency required for top two. I think they might just miss out. Interesting, Gab. Um, yeah, we, we, the 28 goals for Akpon. You mentioned Daryl Murphy, Seb. Uh, is is Akbom a one-season wonder or do you think he can back it up? Not a one-season wonder, but I'd be surprised if he got those kind of levels again. And he'll, he'll have a bit more support around him. I think Morgan Rogers is a really smart purchase. Um, you know, he's done well recently down at this level. And yeah, I think I think Carrick did an amazing job. When did he come in? Was it November, Christmas October, time? October, yeah. October, okay, yeah. And, you know, they were, they were in the doldrums, weren't they? Wilder couldn't get them going at all. And like we saw with McKenna, you know, he absolutely revolutionised things. They threw up the table. And I think a bit like us this time last year with a pre-season, I'd be really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, totally agree. And, and another team with good continuity, Gab, um, are Gary Rowett's Millwall. Mm-hmm. Made a claim for the playoffs, just missed out, but really stable situation there. I like Gary Rowett, quite underrated for quite a while in his career doing mm. really good stuff at Millwall though isn't he yeah absolutely and um, they've conceded uh barely over one goal a game throughout Gary Rowett's tenure um when they've been playing in the league uh, and considering he's been in charge for four years now that shows that there's a real defensive consistency about Millwall and I'm pretty confident in saying they're only going to concede 50 odd goals this season I think we've come to expect that from Millwall the real question is uh, going forward um Tom Bradshaw scored 17 goals last season but a lot of them were kind of in bunches where he's got a couple of hat tricks and a couple of braces and I'm just wondering if I'm being picky can he kind of spread the goals across a wider volume of games maybe um and then Zian Fleming Millwall are either going to get 30 million which they're asking for Zian Fleming or they're going to um or he's going they're going to keep him for this season and he'll hope to reproduce what he did after um, after signing. Um, so those are the two go-to ones for Millwall going forward. And then Billy Mitchell in midfield is definitely one to watch. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Millwall should be uh, should be well well stopped to, uh, to challenge for the playoffs again. Seb? Yeah, similar. That's where I've got them in my kind of prediction. I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I've got them just kind of dropping away a little bit. They've brought in Kevin Nisbet from Scotland, haven't they? Try and kind of ease the, the goal-scoring burden on Bradshaw. And again, a bit like Coventry, I, I do like the kind of the continuity ones. You know, Rowett got a bit of a raw deal, didn't he, when he was at, um, at Birmingham and stuff, and he's done a really good job at, at Millwall. And I think they'll have another solid season, if not maybe quite as spectacular. Yep. Got to deal with them a lot. Um I loved your, uh, by the way, your deep dive with the Norwich scab was fantastic. <laughs> it was brilliant. You'll never have to buy a pint in Ipswich ever again after that. The, uh, the line, it was brilliant. Well done. Hello to our friends at Talk Norwich City. Yeah, uh, very much enjoyed that, Gab. And it's an, uh, it's difficult to know with Norwich. I mean, again, it's a parachute team, a, a good calibre of player generally. There's just a lot of off-field dysfunction. There's a question. There's question marks for me over Wagner's fit as well. Mm. What's your take on Norwich? Um, so I think that when Norwich won the title at this level um, two or three seasons ago, they were able to kind of ease the, the hangover of finishing bottom the previous season because they could rejuvenate squad by bringing in lots of fresh energy and, and lots of high potential players and just brought a different energy to the place. And I think that uh, because they spent a lot of money, um, I think it was a place not far off, or is it 50 million? Or they certainly spent a lot of money in their for their last Premier League campaign. 
um, it's meant that they've not really had the same spending power since coming down. And therefore, they're in a situation where the sort of long-serving core of players are a little bit drained by, you know, the struggles they've had over the last few years, but they're not able to kind of rejuvenate that group in the same way they did a few years ago. And I think that's a really difficult situation for David Wagner to uh, to manage. And while the likes of Ashley Barnes and Shane Duffy and Jack Stacey are decent additions, as good as you'll get in the free market, I'm not sure they're necessarily the types of signings you'll make to serve the purpose that I've spoken about. So I'm worried about Norwich. They, uh, I'm not. I don't expect you two to be. Um, <laughs> but uh, they finished 13th last season, and I, I don't see them bettering that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, it's the goals, isn't it? Again, so Pookie's obviously left. Yeah. I'm just. I. Sergeant Barnes, is, always... Barnes is solid, isn't he? You know, Barnes Sergeant... is solid. He, he might get a few. Sergeant's been around now, but yeah, I. I, I Touch wood, maybe we're finally going to see a bit of a, a bit of a swap over the last decade or whatever it's been. Yeah, I mean, I think the trouble is with Norwich is if they do have a bad start, then straight away the atmosphere in Carrow is going to be pretty bad, isn't it? You know, they've got reservations about Wagner. They've got real reservations about Webb. Obviously, he's on his notice period now. And has Delia simply taken them as far as... I know they've got investment from from the American guy, but, you know, is it is it now time for a kind of a, a, a changing of the guard at all levels of the club? We're going to enjoy it if it's the way we think it's going to go. You know, like Gab, I've got them in mid-table and I think we will beat them this year for the first time in Christ. 2009 wasn't the last time we, d- we did them. Um, but yeah, they've just, you know, they've lost quality. Uh, Dowell going up to Rangers was on a free as well. So they've lost kind of decent players and not had any money in for them. And yeah, hopefully it will go the way we want it to go and there'll be... Uh, uh, a, a bit of toxicity around Carrow Road come October, hopefully. Yeah, and then what will happen, Seb, is they'll recruit. Win the league. Really they'll well win the league. <laughs> Ashley I Barnes always... will score 25 goals. They'll win the league somehow and they'll go and get 100 million quid parachute payments again. I'm going I'm to I'm chuck a swear word in. They are absolute shithouses, Gab, for <laughs> getting into a point where they look like they're going to totally unravel and then suddenly they'll recruit someone or they'll sell well, Madison well, yeah, Ma- Ma- Max, money in. Max Aaron's will go on uh, right towards the end of the window for like yeah, 30 million quid somewhere and they'll go and get someone people have never heard of who'll score on a load of goals. Yeah. They magic stuff out from nowhere. Yeah. That's the trouble <laughs> with Norwich, but hopefully they need to leave seven one to Colchester again, don't they? Oh, no. Cause then they won the no, league. Didn't that, they? That, that, yeah. That, that, that got fixed them. That really annoyingly that fixed all their problems as great as it was on the day. No, that, 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 it, I, from their point of view, that's what they need. Cause it's yeah. like, like just, just what Rich said, really. Yeah, they, I think that if they get a little bit of a kick up the ass from, I think I think Wagner will be one of the first managers to lose his job. But I think it will happen. It's crap, isn't it? He, he invokes just, no change whatsoever. Yeah. So, I mean, but if he they, makes that appointment because you know Web, yeah. Weber's going, he's on notice. Um, you know, the, it's, the, the structure kind of needs a complete revamp, doesn't it? Neil Adams. Who knows? Anyway, there's Norwich. Plenty of excitement there. Potential excitement, not in a good way for Norwich fans. Hopefully. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. 
For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Here's another team with excitement um, off the back of a championship. Do we mention that Plymouth won the title? Plymouth won the title. Well done to Plymouth. Yeah. Um, And deserved it as well. It's a different kettle of fish, obviously, being at championship level and a level they've not been at for a while. But Gab, if you're going to go about it, um, signing your two best players who were who happened to be loan players is a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Yeah, Morgan Whitaker and Bally Mumba, uh, fantastic, uh, were fantastic in the, the title win last season, and I think they're more than ready to to step up to the to the championship. Prodigiously uh, talented players, and um, if I'm not mistaken, they both signed up. Mumba certainly signed permanently, and I think Whitaker yeah, both, yeah, both, yeah. both so, seven-figure um, sums, Gab. Yeah, I mean, that's that's incredibly exciting to say where they were um, 11 years ago when the uncertainty over the future of the club, they lost to um, you know, sort of lower non-league opposition and uh, it was you know, a very bleak time. And I think just over the last 10, 11 years, they've, they've kind of built themselves up again, which is incredibly impressive. And they've got such a strong structure now. So Chairman uh, Simon Sallett, um, Sallett Hallett even, takes um, a, lot of, a lot of credit for it. And he's made some great off-field appointments as well, which have been crucial to what they've been able to do. And then Stephen Chumak has done a, a cracking job. So yeah, things looking up for, for Argyle. Obviously, I think 50 points is, excuse me, the first port of call for them. Um, but I think they could uh, they could achieve that quite comfortably. Yeah, Schumacher feels like Norwich's next boss to me, Seb. Um, <laughs> this is a team, unlike a lot of the league that we know pretty well. Yeah. I think my, my problem with Plymouth still is how the goals come. There's a lot of reliance Sustainability on would be the, low, the word low I'd XG use, yeah. chances, isn't yeah. there? Players like Whitaker yeah. and Mumba yeah. contributing. I know that Plymouth fans will criticise us for that. There's maybe the there's a few star star players in terms of Plymouth in there, but has is, is the squad got that quality? And I think that's probably the pattern of play at championship level is my question mark for them. Yeah, I mean, I've actually changed mine this morning when you requested the list. I did actually change it last minute because I, I did have them in to, to kind of going down, but the Bally Mumba signing kind of tipped them over the edge for me. And I think they will, I think they will stay up. But my concern was we spent 30 weeks last year sitting on our podcast saying the numbers weren't sustainable. And fair enough, they became sustainable and they got across the line. And I think you said it, you know, the more you do it, the more it's no longer considered to be fluke. It just becomes the norm. But eventually, I think that will catch up with you a little bit if they're well, going to rely on... Especially if they're going to rely up, right? Yeah, if you're going to rely on Whitaker and Mumba to, to bang in 30-yard deflected worldies, you know, the, 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 I, I can't see that being as fortuitous as it was last year. So I think they'll stay up. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they'll go down, but I think they'll be in and around the relegation zone a little bit and, and 
yeah, I think Ennis is a bit of a miss. Ryan Hardy, is he capable of stepping up and scoring the goals? Not entirely sure. Yep. Next up, another team similar to Bristol City, Gab, that just don't really excite me. I like Ryan Lowe. Um, we've obviously beat them in pre-season last week, so we know a little bit about them. But you know, Will Keane's a, a solid signing, but it's just it's a bit meh at Preston for me. I I agree, and I think that they've been able to somehow get competitive results since coming up into the championship in 2015 because of the good management of Simon Grayson, of Alex Neal, and now Ryan Lowe. But I feel like that work has never been kind of um, supplemented by a proper structure, the one we've talked about with Plymouth Argyle. And that means that they've not really been able to make the most of, of what they've been able to do and, and, and kind of build something that's a little bit more sustainable and has a bit more substance to it. And that's kind of a concerning thing for me they've not invested in uh, a development squad which almost every other club has at this level or proper facilities and there's things like that that they've not done um and that's where that's what i think is going to catch up with them a little bit um and that's why i think they could have a big drop off for this season um they've still got a decent core of players they finished in the top half last season so they might be able to beat the drop this time around but i think it's a club that's going to learn a lot of lessons and so far i'm not, I'm not sure they are learning those those lessons Oh, interesting. Um, Seb, I, I, I haven't got um, Preston being, well, maybe I have. Yeah, close, but I, th I think there's enough, just about enough quality there, isn't there, to make sure yeah, they're I mean, not it's, it's, too yeah, far it's, down there? It's hard to tell because we saw them in midweek, but that 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 wasn't where they'll be, I don't think, at the start of the at the start of the season. Gab, you'll know better than I can. Is, is, is Ryan Lowe a bit of a man under pressure? He seems to be a bit of a, he's not exactly endeared himself to the fans. Am I right in saying that? Um, well, I, I like Ryan Lowe. I think in yeah, his I first did, yeah. season there, he delivered top 10 form uh, after taking over mid-season mid and then delivered a top half finish last season and on a bottom six budget with a club that doesn't really have the infrastructure or the recruitment strategy. I think that's really good form. So I don't think you can argue with what Ryan Lowe's done. It's just I don't feel like he's getting the, the support that he needs. The backing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got them kind of mid-table or so. There's, there was a whole cluster, I'll be honest, of sides and I probably could have, you know, rearranged them. There's about seven clubs that I could have just simply jiggled around in the same seven positions because I, I wasn't really sure where it was going to go and Preston certainly fit under that umbrella. Yeah, agreed. One team who has a feeling of maybe being the team with, which is circling that the floater that won't flush I've used it twice now. QPR Gab, I'm you know, Gareth Ainsworth did a really cracking job at Wickham, but it was a team punching above their weight, a very specific style of play. Um, and I'm just not sure it lends itself to championship and QPR. Your thoughts? I uh, disagree with you on that. Ooh. I think I think more QPR fans are going to agree with you um, and probably have concerns over Gareth Ainsworth. But I happen to think that he's the right person for where QPR right now because he's such a positive psychologist. That's one studying his teams over the last um, last five six years or so. That's always been the one thing that's um, that stood out to me about Gareth Ainsworth because um, of the way he speaks. He gets you he gets you believing. Now, of course, there's going to be more to, to to that. There's going to be more to it than that. And I think that he's you know you don't get Wickham into the championship without having some sort of tactical acumen. So, um, but I, I think that that ability to get people believing again and getting people buying in. I think there's going to be players that turn up to training at QPR, first day of pre-season training, that 
uh, are really pessimistic and have very little hope and then come the first game of the season feel like they can get into the playoffs because of the culture that he can create so that's why I think Gareth Ainsworth can um, can carry QPR through I think it's going to be a difficult season but I think if the club puts their faith in Ainsworth I think he can get them through it so what's your what's your take I, I side with you personally I've I've got them in my bottom three because Ainsworth's record was just so bad. I understand he's got a preseason; he can try and work on things, but they've they've not gone out and signed Ainsworth-style players. You know, Begovic has come in because they sold Diang to to Borough in goal. But if, is he capable of changing his philosophies to fit that squad? They've got some talent. I like Chair. I think Chair's a good player. But but are they? You know, is Ainsworth able to kind of you know change his methods and his ways to to fit that squad? Because they kind of proved for the. About a third of the season, wasn't it? 15 games or so, I think he had there, that he couldn't get them to do it the way he wanted to do it. His record was appalling. So I, I've got them to go down personally. Yeah, just I think if you're going to commit to Ainsworth, I think you kind of need to give him a budget to sign players that would fit his system. Yeah. I know that there's room for flair players because obviously he had them at Wickham as well. I just kind of feel like it's no one has really had time at QPR over the last few years to, to stamp their mark on it. And it was something similar at Ipswich where we had, we had Mick McCarthy um, and then Paul Hurst tinkering with their squads. Neither, you know, and, it, and by the time Lambert came in and then Cook, it, it was no one's squad. And it was just very well, dysfunctional. On the other hand, uh, I know we're not here to do a forensic deep dive, but I do want to kind of pick you up on that point, Rich, which is I think Paul Lambert is a very controversial character that's very my way or the highway. I think with Gareth Ainsworth, I think that if you speak to someone like Gareth Ainsworth every day, I think he'll get you kind of believing in him in a oh, way yeah, that sort of managers don't necessarily have that. It wasn't uh, a do you think the players have got the ability to do it and play the way he wants to play? I think my, my, my point, Gab, was that it's not Gareth Ainsworth's squad. It doesn't appear to me yeah. to be Gareth Ainsworth's no. squad yet. And no. I think I totally, you know, we, he's a really um, eloquent, astute tactician. I've heard him talk about, you know, he's done punditry for our games for Sky. He's obviously figured out a really successful strategy for Wickham at League One level as well. So I've not got any issue really about Gareth Ainsworth's pedigree. My problem is that he's been put in a situation at QPR where, you know, Les Ferdinand's now left, but all these short-term appointment managers, you know, the recruitment goes with those managers as well. And I just don't think, I don't think there's a over there's a um, identity for QPR. And, 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 I, and I, agree, I agree that that's a massive problem, but I think that that's almost where Gareth Ainsworth's going to come into his own because when he was at Wickham, he was able to run the club and not just the team, which lots of managers in the modern era have. So seeing as QPR are in that position that you've described, which is a state of flux, I think it's actually a benefit to have someone like Gareth Ainsworth that can keep an eye on, on you know, on, on the club and not just the team. As long as you back him, I think. And I sure. think that's that's my question mark over QPR. Um, another team who I, I think all of us think might struggle, who had a really, you know, in comparison, relatively speaking, a really successful campaign in the end, Gab, Rotherham. Um, what's your your thoughts there? Well, I've got to um, give a shout out to uh, to Will Daniels. I'm going to blame him a little bit, who's a Rotherham United fan. I'm going to blame him a little bit for, for my prediction on the Millers because when I first started talking to him, I was planning to put Rotherham sort of... Um, close to lower mid-table, sort of between that and the bottom six kind of area. Um, 
and speaking to him just destroyed any confidence <laughs> in Rotherham United. <laughs> now I've got them twenty-four, so I'm, I'm blaming uh, I'm blaming him for that. Um, but I think they did rely a lot on um, uh, Victor Johansson, the goalkeeper last season, and centre back uh, Cameron Humphreys. I think they've got a core of five or six players that are good enough for, for what they want to try and do. But I think that there's massive concerns over squad depth and whether Johansson's going to have the same season that he had last year. So those will be the question marks, I think, over Rotherham. And as always, they're going to struggle at this level, aren't they? Yeah, it's goals, isn't it? You know, Ogbeni's gone. Barlazer yeah. went in January as well, didn't he, Seb? It's, it's goals yeah. for Rotherham, isn't it? Yeah, they've had some experience, haven't they? Cafu's coming from Forest, but he barely played last year, part of the the kind of Forest squad registration nightmare. They've added Grant Hall as well from Middlesbrough. So they've added some experience, but, you know, I thought Taylor did did, did well. You know, Paul Ward kind of took everybody with him when he moved across to Derby. All the backroom staff went with him. So it was kind of a, a stabilising job last year. But but like like you and Gab say, I, I think they'll struggle because who's going to score the goals? And I haven't got them quite 24th, but I've got them to go down. Another promoted team, Gab, Sheffield Wednesday. I'm worried about Sheffield Wednesday at the moment. Um, are you too? I'm very worried about Sheffield Wednesday, Rich. Um, I was at Wembley uh, when Josh Windass's 123rd minute winner sparked this euphoria in the crowd. And it was just an amazing moment for Sheffield Wednesday fans. And when Darren Moore lifted the trophy to a you know, biggest cheer of the night, you know, that felt like that could have been the start of um, at least the stabilisation process for Sheffield Wednesday, where they just find, you know, find their feet a little bit in the championship and, and make some gradual progress I think that what's happened since then has kind of robbed them of that opportunity um I think that a lot of the mood the sort of buzz around the club has been compromised because of what's happened and I'm not really convinced by Zisco Munoz and I think what they needed was eight or ten additions to this squad um and I don't think they're going to get that so very concerned about Sheffield Wednesday and I've got them going down yeah we've um promoted Seb the idea that stability is important Darren Moore whilst maybe question marks over them maybe falling across the finish line. They never, nevertheless got across the finish line where they needs to be. We know that he t- you know, took them, um, was Sheffield Wednesday manager in the championship, wasn't he as well? Yeah, for six months or so, wasn't he? Took, yeah. he I, th- I think there's enough of a case for stability to keep yeah. him. Yeah. But yeah, new manager, um, one signing as far as I can tell, Rhys James. They made um, him permanent and he was on loan. So it's a, it's a, a loan from last year that's been made permanent. The squad is aging as we discussed yeah, several Smith, times. Leading scorer, wasn't he? And yeah, is Bannon yeah. going to have the same effect? Is there a big question mark as well? Yeah, mm. exactly. They, they, they're, there are question marks throughout the squad, the lack of investment there. And, and obviously with Chanziri in charge, you never know what's going to happen, do you? I mean, you know, he went on that mm. that rant at the press conference when they're unveiling Munez. Munez's record, he did all right at Watford, didn't he? If I've, well, he, did he this take, did he take them up? And, this but he's been weird. awful since, hasn't he? That's a strange thing, Seb, because he, he did actually take Watford up, but yeah. I wasn't necessarily convinced in okay. by that. I think he relied a lot on individual quality, and I don't think he's going to have that advantage at Sheffield Wednesday, so I'm a bit sceptical of me and us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I've got them surviving just, but I, I think if Moore was still in charge, I'd probably have them closer to kind of 14th, 15th in the league mm-hmm. because of that stability and the fact the squad was pretty much recruited, you know, for him. It was, a, you know, they, they went out and got the players he wanted them to get, a, a short-term fix as opposed to us and Plymouth taking the longer-term kind of strategy with our our transfers. And, and, and yeah, I think, I think they'll struggle. I think they'll survive just given, you know, on, on its day, Hillsborough can be a, a cauldron and, you know, all the, <clears throat> the raucousness we saw in the second leg of that playoff uh, semi-final against Peterborough might get them across the line but 
they need players in badly, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think they're relying on three other teams being crapper than they are at the moment. Big, yeah. big signings needed there. Other end of the potential league table at this point, Gab, another relegated team, Southampton. Um, the biggest question mark for me is Russell Martin, isn't it? Is it the same for you? Yeah, I think Russell Martin is a que- is a question mark. He's, um, I think he's a good coach. I think is twenty twenty one MK Don side and twenty two last season Swansea side, well coached, good teams between both boxes. But I think the fact that he's not even achieved he's not achieved anything of substance yet in his career means inherently there's a question mark because he's kind of got the jobs he has on style alone rather than a proper shiny thing on your CV. So I think that is a bit of a question. Um, I think that the the other one for me about Southampton is that the squad they have at the moment could be very different to the one that they'll have at the, come the end of the window. And I don't think that's ideal necessarily for, for preparation. Um, there's news that um, Alcaraz, who's their attacking midfielder, is going to stay on for the championship. And he's very highly rated by Saints fans that I've spoken to, so he could be one to watch. Um, but I'm concerned about Southampton and I think that they could uh, they could underwhelm a bit this year. So I've got them outside the playoffs. Ward Prowse, big name there, Seb, still there at the moment? Um, yeah, at the moment, as we record, him, Livramento and Lavia, I would say, are the three that surely they won't be there come August 31st, where the deadline is. So it could be a very different looking squad. They've gone to sign Shea Charles for 8 million quid from Man City. Considering this policy of last summer where they would sign, you know, Man City Academy players. They've taken a few Man City backroom staff, haven't they? I think Wilcox was involved there. Zuna, Man City, yeah. and he's now their, their director of football or whatever he is. So there's clearly a strategy there to develop these young technical players. Didn't work for them last year. I guess my, my the reason I've got them in the playoffs, the reason I'm not tipping them for the top two is a year ago, it was a incredibly high-pressing team under Hassan Hootel. He goes, and they get Nathan Jones in, who you know we know has a very short tenure. Then Sellers comes in, so you've kind of got this this mismatch of kind of different managers, kind of approaches and tactics, and potentially that might kind of get get found out. I think they'll be in the playoffs, but I've not got them for the top two. Well, I think they've got Ryan Manning um, in from Swansea, Will Smallbone, who's at Stoke on loan, who's Stoke's leading assist maker. He was on loan there. He's come back, I think. So there are some assists in that team at the very least, um, which brings me nearly on to Stoke as well. Um, another of these teams I feel meh about, though, Alex Neal's um, gab, building a pretty strong, he's starting to stamp his kind of his authority on the squad, isn't he? The the thing for Stoke is that they had seven players contracted at the start of pre-season training. So that would have been um, quite a, a difficult one, I think, in terms of... And, and by the way, they've got a new uh, head of recruitment, a new sporting director, and basically new whatever... Um, you know, whatever role you, you have at the club, it, they've got someone new in there. So I think that lends itself to a season of transition for Stoke City. They've got a great academy, which I think is going to be helpful, while maybe they're not going to have the biggest of squads going into the season. Um, they've got Emery Tezgel, who's a 17-year-old, who's um, incredibly highly rated, and Nathan Lowe as well. So those two could be ones to watch. Um, and we might see a couple more coming through from their academy. But I think if they got to a comfortable 50 points and started to develop a clear style of play, I think that would class as a good season for, for Stoke City. Yeah. Um, Alex Neil Brink getting the old band back together. So Daniel Johnson, Ben Pearson. Pearson, recruited. yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I guess like like Gab, I've, you know, get to 50 points and then look to put together a bit of a plan and a bit of strategy moving forward. I guess I'll see Alex Neil left Sunderland, didn't he, right at the 
was it after the season had started last year or was it yeah. in the summer? I can't yeah, remember. No, it, was yeah. After, it was after the season started, yeah. So clearly he had high aspirations. We know it worked out with Sunderland last year, obviously finishing in the in, in the playoffs under Mowbray. So he had high aspirations going in there last year, didn't really you know, get off the ground. And, and, and I guess, as Gab said, if you've got a minimal squad on day one of pre-season, then you probably are looking at a year of just get over the line and then look to, to, to kind of formulate things a little bit better moving forward. Sunderland, Gab. Um... Tony Mowbray doing a great job there. Um, a little bit of recruitment as well. Um, good mm. season last time out. What's, what's your take on Sunderland? Top two. Oh, um, there you go. Exactly. I'm going to give you the headline straight away. Um, <laughs> the, the, they got to the playoffs last season when so much went against them that meant they shouldn't have got to the playoffs because firstly, they're a newly promoted club. Secondly, Alex Neal, as we've just mentioned, left. Um, a few months into the season for, for Stoke. Thirdly, um, top scorer Ross Stewart got injured and Ellis Sims got recalled by Everton. And fourthly, they had a string of injuries in the second half of the season to def- in defence. So they ended up with a right back at centre back. You know, Luke O'Neill had to play pretty much everywhere, uh, a winger at left back, all these sorts of things. And still they managed to. Um, to scrape a playoff place. And that for me shows that as well as having these prodigious talents like Jack Clark and um, and Patrick Roberts and obviously Amadeus Diallo was on loan, there's, a, there's the right culture, there's the right attitude in this Sunderland group. And that means that I'm not necessarily that concerned that they don't have those leaders, if you like, in the shape of experienced heads, which... You know, there's some concerns over that because it is quite a young squad, but the fact that they did get to the playoffs last season when so much went against them suggests there's real character in there as well. So um, I think Sunderland are going to go very strong. I really like the, re- the recruitment they've done so far. I trust the club structurally, which is crucial. That's why I'm putting them in, t- in my top two. Sunderland, there's a lot of similarities with us, isn't there? So there are. Kind of Sunderland yeah. a year delay, aren't we? So we're, we're a Netflix we t- documentary series apart. You could, the, everything in the Sunderland Until I Die documentary would have been Ipswich Town if they'd have come and filmed around our offices at that time. You know, I, I really, I'm really happy for them because they were ridiculed in that documentary. And you know, I see Sunderland as a as a proper club. I always enjoy going there, and I'm delighted that they're kind of on their way back up. Obviously, Mowbray has a, an Ipswich Town legend kind of link, which uh, naturally makes me favour them a little bit more as well. But I really like the you know. Know, the, the young side, the football they play. I thought they were unlucky in the playoffs. Like Gab said, they went to the second leg and you could see the physical size difference in the back four because they had three out of four players completely out of position due to injuries. So I know they were very reliant on Diallo last year on loan from Man United, but I haven't quite got them for the top two, but I've got them in the playoffs as well. I think they'll do well again this season and, I, and I'm pleased for them. I think they deserve it. Yep. Swansea, Gab. Um, a team, again, going through a transition we like Mike Duff. Is it a good fit? Question mark. Well, I'm going to give you another um, a bold prediction, which is Swansea for the playoffs. Oh. Um, and that is because uh, I do think it's a good fit for Michael Duff. And I rate Duff incredibly highly. I've uh, sort of studied his work over the last um, five years or so in the lower leagues. And he's consistently outdone himself, massively ex- exceeding expectations, um, took took over Cheltenham from a difficult position, got them to their first ever Football League title and highest ever finish after that. And then he took over Barnsley when they, you remember the um, 21-22 Barnsley side that were just absolutely hopeless. He took charge of them, changed the culture, introduced the clear style of play. Um, 
and, uh, and got them into the, the playoffs in League One with about 85 points. So I think Michael Duff is an incredibly good manager. He's well overdue a shot at the championship. And that's kind of a big part of why I'm putting Swansea in the top six. I'm not necessarily convinced that it's a top six squad as things stand. I think it's going to be important that they do well in the transfer window. It might have to be the loan market. But I think if they can find the right additions and keep hold of Matt Grimes, who I think has a, a hugely influential role to play as the, the conductor at the base of midfield, um, I think I think Duff could uh, could really inspire them to big things. Yeah, keeping hold of Pirro is going to be big yeah. as well. He's been linked with Leicester throughout the summer. Um, but yeah, are you positive about Swansea, Seb? As positive, I've got them in, I've got them in mid yeah, I've got my mid-table. I haven't got them in the playoffs. I've got my mid-table. My only kind of thing would be, is Duff going to be able to transition a, a heavy possession-based side for the last couple of years to his high-pressing style that we know he absolutely loves in in the space of one window? Uh, and if, and if what, what's he called? Poirot? Piro? If he, Joel Piro, if he moves on... Poirot. Is Jerry Poirot, yeah, with the, the massive <laughs> moustache. Is, uh, is Jerry Yates going to be able to score the goals to replace him? I'm not entirely sure, but... I think it'll be a season of transition for them with a look to really, really push on next year. Yeah, I, I'm along that, those lines as well. We're, not, I noticed that we're ticking over an hour, so I'm going to do some efficiency here, guys, purely because Watford and West Brom, Gab, there's so much similarities here. Two parachute teams, hugely dysfunctional and underachieving seasons last time out. Managerial question marks, I think. You know, I like Ismail at Watford on, on paper, but Watford just very short-termist. West mm-hmm. Brom, a little bit of recruitment, but not a huge amount of excitement for their fan base. Is it going to be another season of struggle for these two? Yeah, I, I think I've got both in my bottom half um, oh. for, for similar reasons, I suppose. And I think you, yeah, you're right to kind of put them in the same bracket. I think Watford, um, you know... I feel like Valerian Ishmael is going to need time to introduce his uh, extreme high-pressing direct style of play, but I almost feel ridiculous saying that because it is Watford and Watford managers just don't get that time. Uh, And so um, I've got massive concerns over whether he's going to have the personnel to be able to play the way he wants. As for West Brom, I rate Carlos Corbran incredibly highly. I think he's one of the... um, the best managers in the league. But I think you kind of mitigate that against West Brom being one of the the worst-run club in the league because it's been uh, mistake after mistake since Lai Gushong took over, I think, in uh, 2017. So um, a lot of concerns for uh, for West Brom at Jao being on a structural... Well, for both these clubs on a structural level, and that's why I see them underwhelming. Spoiler alert for Seb's predictions. Yeah, you yeah I'm, starting to re- I'm starting to regret this, having heard Gab add reasoning and logic to, to the, to the <laughs> Yeah, I've tipped Watford for six, simply because, as you mentioned, their short-termism does normally see them over the line. Reese Healy, I don't think, is going to be the answer to scoring many, many goals, unless they reinvest that Jao Pedro money sensibly. But I do like Ishmael, so I have tipped them for six. But having heard Gab just now, I'll be honest, if this was 24 hours later, I think I'd be revising my, uh, <laughs> uh, my prediction. And West Brom, I think, again, really like Corbahal. I've, I've not got them in the playoffs. I've got them, I think, eighth or something. We'll come on to the, the positions in a minute. But, but yeah, I mean, they've not signed anybody. O'Shea has gone to, to Burnley. Grant's gone out. And I guess the big question mark with West Brom is, are they going to be the first side to get a points deduction this season, given their off-field escapade? So if, if, if Corbahal wasn't in charge there, I'd have them much further down the league. Yeah, big pressure on Thomas Asante as well to score the goals there, isn't there? You know, um, mm. interesting. I've got, I mean, I've got them 10th and 11th, but... 
you could swap them around. So um, we will get to our 1 to 11s very briefly, but we did tease it at the start or near the start. Gab, um, we've talked about Ipswich on this podcast every week. Here's your opportunity to make some more friends or to um, upset a few people. Which way are you going to go? <laughs> um, well, it depends on how you interpret me saying Ipswich are finishing eighth. I suspect uh, I suspect most Ipswich fans would take that as a progressive season, even if I think in some quarters there probably is a bit of optimism that Ipswich might be able to take the league by storm. Um, I certainly think you've got potentially one of the best managers in the league in Kieran McKenna. Uh, as we've all spoken about, I rate him incredibly highly. Um, and I think that you've got that stability in terms of the core of players that you've kept hold of going into this season and the recruitment in January was was so strong and I think that gives you a much better chance going into the championship of, uh, of, of really making a difference and I think McKenna's shown that ability to not only implement those progressive ideas but also show that adaptability at times so really impressed with him I, th- I think you, uh, you're going to have you're on for a good season. There you go. I'll put our, let's um, continue the thought, Seb, with um, here's, here's our 1 to 24 picks, and hopefully people can read that. All three of us unanimously saying ninth. Um, what's your thoughts on us, Seb? I think we still need a bit of work. I think we need a centre-back, as we discussed earlier, but I think McKenna is the reason that I think we're all going into the season with such optimism as well as our smart kind of recruitment. And I think there'd be a, a an understanding as well that let's say things didn't go amazingly and we get to the January and we're in 15th, 16th, 17th, I think they would go out and make further additions because we know the ambition of the board, the ownership group, Mark Ashton, you know, we know that we're not looking to simply compete and hang in around the bottom echelons of the championship. We're looking to really push on. And if we want to keep McKenna, that's what we're going to have to do. I think a season of ninth, like we've all happened coincidentally have gone for the same the same league position i think a season of ninth and some decent additions will will kind of maybe look to satisfy him uh he's not going to want to come up and you know hang around the, the lower bottom he's going to he's an incredibly ambitious guy we know that he's come from a champions league coaching club at man united and he's going to want to get back to the premier league as soon as possible i think we'll be in contention for the playoffs up until about march time and then naturally i think it will drop off a little bit um but i think we're all incredibly excited to see what he can do um, but we do still need those those couple of additions i would say do you want to talk us through the the other key positions here, Seb, for you? Um, your top two, your playoffs and your relegation sides and anything else you want to highlight? Yeah, so Leicester, Middlesbrough, Southampton and Sunderland, I'm pretty confident on being the top four. Um, and I guess what we've heard from, from Gab has really backed that up. Coventry, Watford, West Brom, I'm starting to think now maybe I've made a bit of an error there. Coventry, if they keep Harmer, I, I think they'll be kind of there or thereabouts. Watford are the one now, thinking, looking back at it, I'd probably look to swap them out if I could, maybe for somebody like a, like a Blackburn or maybe just push Leeds up a further, a further spot in the table. Leeds are the ones I think might just miss out because traditionally a parachute side does nearly always mess it up. And I'm going for Leeds, given the delays in appointing Farker and the, um, the the lack of a goal scorer if Pamford gets injured. And your bottom three? Yeah, as I said on the when we did the, the club by clubs, QPR, I just think Ainsworth's record was so bad and they've not recruited to suit his style. Cardiff is a complete unknown with the managerial appointment and some issues kind of off the field. And Rotherham kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're traditionally normally always down there. Who's going to score the goals? They've brought in a bit of experience, but I think they'll go down on account that, that Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday and Stoke and the, the ones just above them might just do enough to get over the line. Gab, you can, at this point, you can plug your... Is it a blog that will go out? Yeah, so, uh, to, well, as we record, it's tomorrow morning. By this point, 
by the time this goes out, it'll have been Monday morning, 8, 8 a.m. Um, it's out, uh, Championship Season Preview on BetVictor124. You can follow me on Twitter, at Gab Sutton, and that I'll probably highlight those tweets, so you can you can go and find the links uh, that are relevant. I'm also covering League One and, uh, and League Two. I'm currently in the process of finishing off my writing on up on League Two, which has been uh, which has been fun. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to getting to seeing people's uh, people's reactions to it. And as always, that's going to uh, that's going to be quite lively, I imagine. Where's Where's Cole? You just quickly? Are you? Oh, no, are you? That's That's Wednesday, isn't it? I can't. I'll ask you separately Wednesday. on Cole. You don't worry. Okay. I just want right. to tell my brother-in-law. Um, okay. It'll be interesting to see how they get on. Uh, talk to us about your kind of key positions there again, Leicester Sunderland. You've You've given us all some of these already. Sure. Uh, Swansea Hull probably the the picks that maybe surprise a few, and then your your bottom three. Yeah, I think Swansea and Hull are going to be the dark horses, the ones that might not necessarily be everyone's fancy on paper. But I think Hull are a really well-run club that are on their way up. And with Swansea, I'm putting a lot of my eggs into the duff basket. Um, I think, uh, yeah, Leicester, I think, are very much the clear standout uh, squad in the championship on paper. Sunderland, I think, are going to have a big season as well. And I think Middlesbrough and Leeds will be comfortable playoffs and possibly pushing autos. Um, but I'm expecting a, a tough season for, for the Yorkshire trio of Sheffield Wednesday, Huddersfield and Rotherham. Rotherham, because I think they're going to rely, um, because Victor Johansson might not be able to produce the same numbers he did last year. Um, Huddersfield, I'm not sure Warnock's going to cut it at 74 and Sheffield Wednesday I don't trust them as a as a structure and um and that's why I've got those three going down fair enough I I'll bring out some conclusions from my picks and Dave Diamond of the Blue Monday team also provided his as well and he's agreeing with you on Swansea by the way um also agrees with me um that Norwich will finish maybe higher than we think and I I I've, I've got Norwich finishing above us. Controversy. I'm tempting fate. Sack Woodward. If I if I do, because <laughs> I like being wrong. So prove me wrong, Norwich and Ipswich. Um, but I've got a ninth, as we said. But yeah, I like Borough under Carrick. Um, I think Leeds under Farker. If they get some bodies in the building tomorrow, as Seb Brown is in, I think they should be all right and have momentum about them. Coventry, I also think. Sims for Jokerez. There's a lot of question marks about it, but I think the style of play, they're generally a like-for-like like replacement. I know Jokerez got quite a few assists as well, but I think Coventry might recruit well, and I think that continuity of Mark Robbins mm. um, is helpful there. Similar story to you guys. I'm thinking more positively about QPR, having heard about your thoughts, Gab. Um, but I think, And I think Sheffield Wednesday could really be in trouble as well. But Huddersfield and Rotherham seem easy picks for the bottom two. Um, look at Dave's bottom three, though. The two two promoted teams along with Ipswich going down. Hello to our Plymouth friends. So Plymouth there. fans, direct all your ire to David Diamond, not <laughs> David us, David Diamond the points <laughs> team. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. We're not going to drop Dave under it. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I, th- I, th- I don't know about you guys. It does feel like maybe the division's going to have a... There's like a, a two-tier championship, I think, next season. That's That was my feeling. And, and as you said, Seb, kind of slotting people in, it did feel kind of a lot of the teams were much of a muchness in those halves. And, well, we're doing this early doors, as we mentioned, so um, don't read too much into this yet. We know that there's still some Jan- some July and August signings to go. We should I do think- it again on September the 1st and then no, <laughs> compare not- the two. Based we didn't do it the, last year. We didn't do it last year. We'll come back in the window activity. midway through the season and compare. I've got the league table based on our average rate. Oh, um, so, Leicester Borough, Leeds, Southampton, Sunderland, but Ipswich scrape in there. 
courtesy, I think, of our uncertainty around the chasing pack, I think, guys. It's interesting. I think the fact that Ipswich are in there shows that we've got lots of contrasting views on some of the other teams, because I'm quite big on Hull and Swansea, but I think only Dave's got Swansea in the playoffs. So you two are less, less convinced on that. Well, I mean, Coventry for- there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've not got commentary in mind. I think for me, between 5th and 11th, I feel like I could have swapped them from any order. So I've got commentary 11th. I feel like on another day I could have easily put them into the playoffs yeah. and I could have easily put put Swansea 11th. So I think that um, it's, it's going to be so exciting, isn't it? It's Because uh, yeah. it's uh, it, um, just so, so unpredictable and it's going to be wonderful as always. It's great to be back there, isn't it, Seb? It's um, yeah. It, we just it, it's it's that feeling you get on day one, isn't it? And we'll talk about it on the pre-match show. Um, you won't because you're on holiday, disloyal. Um, well, where are you going, Seb? I'm off to Florida in about uh, fifteen be, hours' be time. There, weren't you at this point? I've landed at this point tomorrow, so I should have dialed in, shouldn't I? But no, yeah, I'm uh, no, I'm away. I, uh, as I said before, you came on, Gab. I'm I'm dictated. My holidays are dictated by school holidays, so I traditionally always have to miss the first game of the season. Happened last year. I missed the first game of the season in order to get a holiday. So mm. Woodward is not impressed. So. No, no, um, it, same all every year, guys. Always the start of August. Uh, but Seb, uh, the, you know the. I know you won't be feeling it as as all of us might be. Well, I know you'll you'll still be feeling it. I'm sure. No, oh, yeah. Sunderland. I'm game. much more excited about the start of the season than the holiday. Sun, yeah. Sunday, the sixth. I think it is yep. of August. Yep. Anything could be possible, couldn't it? And that's, exactly. that's the great thing. Exactly. And it feels a very different championship to the one we, we so pitifully exited five years ago, four yes. years ago, whenever it was. You know, we're now coming back. We're no longer kind of looking, thinking, oh, we might get, if, you know, if Emir Hughes stays fit, we might finish 16th or so. You know, we're a completely different proposition now. It's a league that fills me with excitement. There are some big old teams now at this level. We're one of them. And I'm really excited to see what we can do this season and how we can look to, to push on. If you look at the game changer era i think we'll look back and say okay well getting out of league one was the first tick and now we really see how sen- how serious these guys are if you were to join in with the one to 24 picks please join the blue monday telegram group we've got a competition running there we'll, we'll obviously lodge our predictions so we might allow ourselves to change them a little bit i think we might cut that off <laughs> just before the first game of the season i think give ourselves a little bit of rigor but yeah blue monday telegram one of the many things going on there we've also got an exclusive interview with itfc's jacob henderson as well um exclusive q a with him giving some insights behind the scenes from the media team so head over to telegram our, our website blue monday itfc.co.uk all the details to sign up there, two-week free trial, and then a subscription thereafter. Merch also also linked there. Um, and plenty more content to come as well. We'll probably do something after the Luton game midweek. But our drumbeat, our normal cadence of podcasts starts week after next. Uh, we'll do um, some stuff around Sunderland. Then we've got the pre-match show and the flagship will be back. And if we if I get it right, guys, the Sunderland flagship show, the, the show that gab we do after the after the game looking back will be our 700th podcast episode so well done. there you go um so yeah blue monday itfc.co.uk for the website everything linked there at blue monday itc on twitter and everywhere else um get involved get involved it's an exciting time gab remind us where we can find you and all the cool stuff that you've got going on 
Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Gabsa, and I have, uh, during the weekdays, I have daily sort of conversation starters on all uh, EFL matters, so you can get involved with sort of responding with your perspective on those those questions on your EFL team, so uh, that's always a lot of fun, hopefully. Um, I also have a show called EFL Debate, where I talk to uh, you guys, uh, to fans of, of different uh, different clubs, and, and sometimes able to get the odd player or manager on as well, so, uh, so that's good fun, uh, and I've also got, as, as I mentioned earlier, those 1-24 to season previews, which are out uh, championship on uh, on Monday, so probably already out, League 1 on Tuesday and League 2 on Wednesday. So you can go and check those out uh, by following me on Twitter or at Gabsutton, and you can also follow the hashtag EFL Debate. Quality stuff. EFL Debate shows, Seb, the Ipswich edition. Talk to me about the stats for that one. Yeah, flying, aren't we? Yeah, some really decent numbers. So, yeah, pretty, really happy and really proud of that one. We've got double the views of the second most watched video on your channel, Gab. Wow. Switch, EFL and how many, how many more thousand was it ahead of the Norwich one? We had um, they 3, had one point seven, wasn't it, or something? When we yeah. had four point one k. Yeah. These are the stat. These are the metrics that matter, Gab. Who yeah. cares about the one twenty four? It's yeah. about the views on your channel for Ipswich yeah. versus Norwich content. So we are flying the flag that way. Go give Gab a follow. Always interesting, always insightful, always got something exciting happening and covers a great, vast EFL pyramid as well. So, Gab, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us a sneak peek to your uh, 124 Championship picks. Go and check that out on his Twitter account. And we might, dare I say, come back during the season and give it a look as well. Gab, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening as well. Do give us your thoughts in the comments as well. If you've got any views on your 124s and where Ipswich might be, do head over to Telegram to join in the debate as well. Give us a like, a subscribe. Seb, safe traveling, have fun, and um, we'll see you all soon. Thanks, everyone. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.